Welcome to the Vorthos Podcast with your host, Matt W. Ruff. Thank you, Bob. So this will be a multi-part podcast. I mean, it's either going to be three or four parts talking about the Ten Commandments as a whole. Um, so there's no way to do it all in one podcast. It would be literally four hours plus. So again, I'm using the Calvinist numbering sort of uh, for the Ten Commandments. The first one was a statement. Now what, what I believe is the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, besides me, it's it's the proper interpretation would be besides me. It's kind of translated before me, but you know, it's still it's basically the same thing. Why is this so important? Well, remember where Israel just came from. They'd been slaves in Egypt for multiple generations. Egypt had all these fake gods, false gods. And though Israel didn't participate in that fully or at all or somewhat or however, you know, it's probably a variation. The bottom line is they were used to seeing it. In fact, they they were slave laborers for the building of the pyramids and stuff. So um, they'd been around, they'd been under the heels of Egypt and their false gods. So it's really important for God to remind them, one, those are not real gods. They're just idols. And there is only one God, and that's me. So it was hugely important for that to be the first statement. And the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. Now, let's translate that to America or into modern times. I know nobody that worships at an idol. I've rarely seen such things. There are people that do things oh that that somewhat translate into idols. Dennis Prager puts it this way. There he has a list and I'm just going to go over the top 3 of his list. Here's Dennis Prager's list from his book on Exodus and the 10 commandments. He lists education, art, and false love. I have several more to add to that, but um, that's a very interesting list, and it catches a lot of people, I think, off guard. You mean education's no idol. But have you ever noticed that all the atheists, I mean, the famous ones, are all PhDs, most likely? They think they're smarter than everybody else. They think they're... They know it all. So it's not surprising that people put way too much value in that sheepskin thing on the, on the, you know, framed on the wall. You know, you, you turn on any TV program and you listen and there's always the TV commentator talking to the PhD about this and that. They were the experts. I wish I had a list of how many times those experts were wrong. I mean, 
they're wrong all the time. Sometimes it's because they're so specialized in one area that they don't know anything about another area. That happens. Sometimes they're just wrong, wrong. So I totally agree with Dennis in that area. Most of the professors and the highly educated people of Germany supported Hitler. Okay. Way too many of the professors of prestigious schools in America and in Europe supported Stalin and Mao. Today, most of those highly educated PhDs teaching at the elite schools are anti-American, hate Israel, hate the Constitution, are talking all about this, you know, everything from white privilege to all the other things, climate change, you know, the ignorancy of Christianity, the terribleness of the West. I mean, you just name it. They, they've got it all. So it's no great surprise. One of the other things where I want to sort of expand upon what Dennis said is the quasi, what I call quasi-science. Chemistry is a real science. Math is a real science. Physics is a real science. Okay, there are laws of physics that God can break, but nobody else can. You know, law of gravity is gravity. I and mean, we can apply pressure. You know, the jet engine puts off enough thrust in the lift of the wings so that you can defy gravity. But without those things, you fall to the ground until you get to outer space. And then you can't breathe, so that's another issue. But anyway, my, my point being is that those things have very firm laws. Just like in math, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. Chemistry, you know, H2O, various other chemical formulas is how things are defined. Quasi-sciences, on the other hand, are not really sciences, I don't think, but they're taught as sciences. Those are the social sciences, the psychology and sociology sciences, where some of the biggest atheists dwell. I mean, Sigmund, Sigmund Freud, everybody heard the name, his famed, you know, critique of religion. He, you may not know, but he, he, he broke down that you don't need religion. In fact, his book, The Future of, the, of an Illusion, the illusion being God and religion, that, that was one of his books. Freud did not fear the breakdown of beliefs in God would have any moral implications. Civilization has little to fear from the educated people and the brain workers, was one of his comments. But he was so wrong. The psychologists, and they are... Again, back to a sociologist. There's a famous study called the Han Eisenick study. And, and I think it's one of the brilliant studies. Now, this is a study that's pretty fair, I think. It says, if you go, I mean, there's like four different degrees, and I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly. I didn't look it up for this podcast. It just kind of came to my mind. So, But if you go see a psychiatrist or a counselor you know, you got these percentages of getting better. But the summation of the deal is, if you don't go see anybody at all, 
you've got a higher chance of getting well. And that's one of the, <laughs> one of the things I've, I've never been to a counselor. I'm not going to knock them. I know friends that are counselors and they, they probably do provide a valuable service, but they have to understand their limits of their service that they've got to be real careful and not be the problem. Now, I don't know how many gazillion dollars is spent on people going to therapists and counselors, but it's a lot of money. And one of the problems is people like making money. And so, oh yes, you need to come back next week. I've had that with doctors in medical fields. Oh no, you need to do this or you need to do that. So, I mean, that's, that's the real world. Similarly, Alfred Kinsley, remember him? The guy who famous Kinsey, Kinsley report, you know, about human sexuality. You know, I remember hearing about his report, you know, this, that, and whatever, and I forgot most of it. One thing I never heard until I actually read it years later was that his study was the people in prison. Now, if you're going to pick a average pool like you're supposed to do in like a political opinion or, you know, about a product, you want an average kind of time capsule to kind of represent all of your targeted audience, the prison is not an average deal. These are all people that have been convicted. Let's just assume there's, you know, 1% that were convicted illegally. I mean, you know, got charged guilty when they were innocent. It's not going to be probably greater than 1% though. So that's really not going to have a huge factor on the numbers. So these are people that already have serious problems. It's terrible pool of people to do a survey about sexuality on. So, so, I mean, he was raised a Methodist, a very devout Methodist, and he hated it. At some point in time, you know, he, he definitely considered himself an atheist, and and he would record secretly his orgies at his house for study purposes. So, again, pretty sick guy. Famous, I guess, but sick. Then you get the one that really puzzles some people, art. Now, art takes on a very wide deal. I mean, art can any be can be anything from movie making to photography to you know painting to sculpting to I mean, it's a pretty wide spectrum. But what people call art today is, in a lot of ways, what some people would call junk, or you know, it, it's. I've been to museums. I've seen, you know, famous paintings and I've not ever been particularly moved by one. I'm kind of moved by architecture. I mean, St. Paul's Cathedral and and in London is amazing. It really is. Uh, I've been to small churches that also have been amazing. Uh, Certain architecture just speaks to me a little bit better than maybe art, art, art. Then let's talk about films. 
I may have stated this already, but my favorite film, and I'm 61, so I don't see anything coming to beat it, but it could happen. My favorite film is Chariots of Fire. It won several uh, Oscars, Golden Globes, the BAFTA, which is the British Oscars, basically. It won several of of those. Today, it wouldn't even be allowed. I don't know if you know this, because it's kind of just happened, but the Academy Awards has gone so woke that they've changed the requirements. And I'm not going to waste time looking it up. You can just Google it. It's there. You you just Google the Academy Awards changes, and in like a couple more years, you've got to be from a minority or you've got to be from what they've defined a minority. Of course, LGBT, whatever, is one of those minorities. So um, they've just totally gone off the reservation. So, in fact, a good hunk of the movies that have won, including like Schindler's List, probably would not even be eligible to win under the new rules. That's how stupid and crazy they've gotten. So, I mean, their ratings have gone down the dirt. And it's going to be interesting because some of these big movies they're not going to even have a chance. I mean, some big artists are, if they've always dreamed of winning an Academy Award, they ain't his chance anymore unless they're part of the really crazy. And I just don't see most Americans going to them. So we'll see. Then you have love or is it lust? Because that's, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? You know, the famous everybody, even non-Christians know this verse, you know, so now there's faith, hope, and love abides, these three. But the greatest of these is love. It's in First Corinthians 13. I'm going to sort of tell you my, my stance on love. Uh, I've been married to one woman for my entire life, which is a good thing. We're past, I think we're 36 years. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we're 36 years, approaching 37. Um, I expect to be married to her for the rest of my life. I don't think anything's going to change at this point in time. We're, we know each other. We almost finished each other's sentences. But let's talk about what people call love today. And it's a huge problem. People say they love all kinds of things. Oh, I, you know, I say it. I'm not trying to make judgment here. I've said, man, that's a great, I love tacos. I love this new movie or song, okay? I, I I love my new computer or whatever. I mean, we use the word love to represent a whole lot of things that aren't really love. Now, can two men love each other? Well, that, I'd say that's easy, yes. And two women as well. But, Bible's clear. Old Testament and New Testament, you know, homosexual is not biblical love. It may be love in the earthly sense. There may be physical attraction. There may be whatever, but it's not biblical love. I've renamed the, the, what I call the alphabet. You know, you normally see it listed LGBTQ plus, and sometimes there's a few others before the plus, but that's generally the way it's listed. And that stands for lesbian, gay, bi, trans, and queer. 
Well, lesbian, understand that one. Gay, understand that one. Trans, I don't understand. Okay, but it is a thing. Bi, well, part of the bi is this normal heterosexual love, so that one doesn't count in my opinion. So it, you're still back to some some lesbian and or gayness. Okay, so I throw I throw the B out. Trans. Now, from a biology standpoint, there's no such thing. The DNA, which is proven science, okay, like like it's not religion anymore. It's proven science. You're either male or female. Now, they say, well, there's errors in the DNA. Yes, there are errors in the DNA. Of those errors in those the X X X Y chromosome, you get these very small percentage. I mean, it's less than I think it's less than a half percent, less than point two percent. I don't. It's really small where you get an extra Y. There's an X, Y, Y, and X, Y, 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 and that's because of the fall. But in those people, they've found a bunch of those people and done surveys. They're not heavily anything. They're not heavily gay, heavily lesbian, heavily trans. So trans is just a mental, as far as I'm concerned. It's spiritual, too, but it, it, it's it's just a decision I don't like what I am and I want to be something different. God didn't know what he's doing and I'm going to recreate myself. I mean, you're talking about a huge waste of money and time. I mean, the people, the, the suicide rates among trans is huge and they blame it on Christians saying, you know, it's bad, but they're not hanging around Christians. They're hanging around their own type and it's, it, it's a mental condition. Queer is hard. I have hard, I looked it up, and they still don't have a good definition. So I take that one out too, and I substitute the P stands for instead stands for pedophilia. That's the new thing coming. Right now, the huge deal is you know the Netflix has released this cuties thing of these thirteen year old girls twerking and various things. And, and hey, I don't have Netflix. I've tried it every couple years. I'll take out. A, and do a, the 30 day demo. And yes, there's a few shows on there that are good, but there's so much softcore porn to full porn to terrible horror to satanic to, you know, this stuff. So, no, no Netflix for me. The only one I streaming service I have is, is Amazon Prime because I have Amazon Prime for the free shipping from Amazon, not because of the movies. But that's a huge problem. All those people are choosing to do something. It's not like, you know, people say it's a civil right. Well, it's not a civil right. They weren't born that way. And even if they were, does you're born or molded in your childhood just because you have the urge to do something doesn't mean you should do it. I mean, how many times have we in, in anger, especially in our youth, I'm going to kill that person or I'm going to beat that person, and we shouldn't do it. A lot of us don't do it. But just because you're born that way, if that's the case, it still doesn't make it right. Key. So when Paul was talking about love, 
it's not the same thing as what we talk about in English America today. Prager University did a survey, which was extremely telling. It asked a whole bunch of young people if they could only save one, that their pet and a stranger were both drowning, who would they save? A huge number chose their own pet. Well, I love my pet, and I don't know the stranger, so they value what they like. Okay, an animal over a human being. Somebody's son or daughter and, you know, loved one. But no, they'd save the pet. And that's one of my faults, idols, and idols, not really, it's, it's just waste. $72 billion is what the, is what Americans spend on pets in 2019. $72 billion. Pet food. Now, full disclosure, I have a dog that my son rescued and my wife fell in love with the dog. And so my son moved out and, and, you know, and we still have the dog and he's, he's a character and he's a lot of work, but we don't take him to the vet that often. We took him, you know, at first to get his basic shots and just to make sure he was, you know, not to you know, he had ticks and you know fleas he was as he had been shot in the head okay they somebody tried to kill him which is happens in in the rural areas of of all of the country you don't want to turn the stray dogs getting into your chickens and whatever else so he was shot his two other friends were killed but his head so hard it just bounced off or ricocheted off his head and my grandson kind of took him in until we got there and Next thing I know, we have a we have a pet. I buy his pet food at either Costco or Sam's. I spend right at a dollar a pound for it. Gourmet pet food, which is expected to grow by five to ten percent a year, costs in excess of ten dollars a pound. Ten times more expensive than the dog food I buy. Pet food, just the pet, the food part of the seventy-two billion, is over ten billion. The worldwide pet industry is around at two hundred billion. So, it really bugs me the amount of money people spend on their pets, and yet we have starving people in America and starving people, especially in third worlds. That bugs me. I have no trouble. I think a pet's a great thing for a kid to have. I had one my entire life. But again, we bought, I want to give them free publicity, we just bought the Prina, you know, dog food. They all live to be a ripe old age unless something happened to them. Okay, that's just life. But I, this gourmet pet food, huge waste of money. And listen, I know people, rich people have spent fortunes on their dogs. It's not just the pet food. I, I remember back when I was working for the big printing company and I met with the CEO of a major company and he took his dogs, his two dogs to 
doggy daycare and they had spa days and I mean they wasted a fortune on these dogs. I know somebody used their dog had cancer or some and they spent a fortune, you know, trying to get it healed so it'd last another year or two. So I just don't get it. I don't see it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my dog. I've loved my dogs growing up. But we shouldn't spend that kind of money. Even if you have it. You should, if you have that kind of expense, then you really should spend it on something much more important, i.e. people. I don't think people actually worship money. I mean, a lot of people work, of course, for money, and it's a driving force in their lives, but they don't really worship it, okay? It's not an idol. What's the idol is the lifestyle it provides. Therein lies a big rub with, i.e., the false teachers, the prosperity preachers, you know. God wants you all to be successful, which he clearly doesn't. When you look at the apostles, they all got killed, so that's truly not what it means to be a Christian, this, that you're supposed to be successful and everything's supposed to be easy. Churches, pastors, and various religions all fit in that category. So, sure, a church could be an idol in some ways. The way some people talk about their churches, oh, our church is so wonderful, and our pastor is so wonderful, and Clearly, most of them aren't. A lot of pastors preach somewhat of false gospel. I wouldn't say they're they're necessarily false teachers, but I mean, clearly, some of the big names are. You know, so, and that's a whole can of worms that I want to get into. And of course, you got the list of false religions. And I don't want to talk about Islam as much as I want to talk about, you know, Buddhism and Hinduism and all the others that are false religions. The people there actually do worship an idol, you know, the Buddha idol. It's that exists. You know, the Dalai Lama gets all this attention when he comes to the U.S. and speaks and people are ooh and and because when he produced a book, it made the you know top of the bestsellers list. It's a false religion, people. I'm not saying you can't learn anything from the man, but you're giving you're giving him money to promote his false religion. So, again, the fool you shall not make for yourself any idol, nor bow down to it or worship it. Now worship takes on multiple you know it isn't always somber when you worship something. And that's one of the issues I see in America for a while. You know the liberals have promoted the separation of church and state saying you know the the government can't give a church anything and the church needs to stay quiet and all this other falseness which they promoted. But let me tell you something. The, if they're pro-team needs a new stadium, 
they'll sell out our our educational system and healthcare systems and better roads to build them a fancier stadium. I mean, I grew up in Texas, okay? <laughs> and I love Texas, but they worship football in Texas. It's so bad that the first the Second Baptist Church of Houston gave up trying to have a, you know, Sunday night service on Super Bowl Sunday and they have it they have the a party kind of everybody watches it together. Then there's a small little prayer during the halftime report, a little bit of preaching or whatever, but it's, it, it's a religion in a lot of places. And if it's not football, it may be basketball, it may be baseball, soccer's on the rise, or maybe, you know, I, I was just watching before I recorded this, the tour de France, amazing athletes. So, and if it's not a sport, it's something else, you know, way too many people. I mean, if you go look at the top 100 Twitter accounts, you know, the ones, the Justin Beavers who just sing songs or Lady Gaga, who is a freak show and sing songs. Okay. I'm not saying anything about the quality of music or anything. I'm just saying the millions and millions of followers. Maybe it's not full idol worship, but it's it's in the category. And, and you know, Sunday, Sunday, I worked for a church for seven years. I think I've been clear about that. Sundays where we had home football games in Nashville for the Titans, attendance was down. Elders, deacons, and just members they're there to support the church, except when there's some a football game going on and they'll rather go do that. Or a hockey game, or a basketball game, or a baseball game, or a soccer game. And then there's the other side. You know, there were the jocks growing up, and then there's the artist side, you know, drama and movies and music and you know the other arts. We spent a fortune, I don't know, it's, it wasn't public money, it was some rich person spent a, building this, you know, concert hall. They spared no expense to make it acoustically as close to perfect as you can, you know. Hundreds of millions of dollars for this concert hall. But no money, you know, ask him to improve you know, the school system and implement school choice. So parents can actually choose where they want to send their kids. I don't know, different ball game, but comes money for a stadium. So we put money where our priorities are and the things that are important rarely to anybody outside the church, obviously, do they get the money. So here's the full text of the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. 
Now, before we, there's, there's several things we have to talk about before we get into the details here. Now, when, when God says he's jealous, when God talks in, in this case, Hebrew, he's already compromising himself in a sense. He has to, to lower his standards to speak in human terms into language. Okay. He picked a word that you can relate to. Now, I've been married, as I said, 35-plus years, and I'm not overly jealous of anybody dealing with my wife. She can, she can have lunch with a guy, and it doesn't freak me out. She having lunch with her ex-boyfriend doesn't freak me out. Because I know it's purely just a, it, it's not a problem for us. If she was to spend a whole bunch of time, you know, then we, that's when the problems start. Okay. And I get jealous of sometimes how much attention she gives the grandkids over me. I admit it. She gets jealous how much I work on stuff that isn't stuff she wants. So there's always a little bit of jealousy. Too much jealousy, that's a bad problem. But God's trying to pick a word that we can somewhat understand. And the word he picked was jealous, and it it fits as good as anything. It's like trying to explain the Trinity. You know, We use the, the analogy of water can be steam, it can be water, it can be ice, You know, hard surface, liquid, steam not perfect but it's the best we have well jealousy is probably the best word at the time other verses of the bible make it clear that god doesn't punish the children for the acts of the parents and vice versa doesn't which is good so what is he really saying here what he's really saying is this is the way the things are if you have a bad father or a bad mother, or bad parents in general, that don't take care of you, don't aren't concerned about your education, aren't concerned about your upbringing, it will affect you later on in life, and that will affect how well your life is. It's just the way it is. If you're not taught manners and not taught how to do things, then you get fired from your job for mistreating. It, it, it's, it's set up. He's just stating the facts. If you have bad parents who don't follow the commands of God and don't take care of you, then you're underprivileged and it's going to affect your life. Just the exact opposite, it can be true. If you have wonderful parents and even though you're not very bright, you may have still a decent life because your parents did all the things to give you the advantage in life. There's a lot of talk about white privilege right now. Okay, well, there is privilege. There is white privilege. There's also black privilege, and there's Hispanic privilege. It all depends on your circumstances. There's always privilege in everything. The the child that's smarter than, and not everybody is as smart as everybody else. Let's be really clear. I've all of us have hopefully and most of the audience, anybody listening is at least past high school. 
If you went to a high school, you knew that some kids were just brighter than you at certain things. They can pick up this and that better than you. Or just athletic competition. We're friends now, but there was a kid. I was slow. and The only thing I could run any decent was a long distance because I pretty much, when I got going, I could keep that speed. But there was a, it's like my own son. My own son could smoke most people in a, in a, you know, a, a dash, a 40 yard dash or a hundred. He was quick. Some people just aren't as quick as other. I mean, that's why we have the Olympics. You know, you train and they get, in, but let's face it. I mean, there's a YouTube video that I've seen where you same bolt is at the NFL combines or whatever. Doesn't warm up doesn't have the right shoes on and breaks the NFL 40-yard dash record just kind of cold turkey because he's faster than everybody else. He's got multiple gold medals. And partially training, but you you can't put in, you know, it's from the chariots of fire, you can't put in what God didn't put in you. Certain people have the ability to be fast. Certain have the people be strong. Certain people have you know, various talents. If you're five foot five, you weigh a hundred pounds in high school, you're not going to be an offensive lineman or, you know, linebacker. You're probably not going to be anything on the football team. Like, or unless you're a manager, like I was. Okay. There it's not, everybody's going to be good at this stuff. Now there are the people that are, you know, the, the kids and we had them that were just good at athletics. I mean, they were on the, I mean, I don't remember their names, but there was one kid who was on the football team, on the basketball team and on the baseball team. He was really good in football and really good in baseball. And, you know, not quite as good in basketball, but that's, that's not uncommon. There are just certain people that are just naturally better I don't care how much training they have. You're never going to be as likely as good as, you know, somebody like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods. FYI two black people, you know, let's not talk privilege here. Your Tiger Woods children or your Michael Jordans, you've got privilege. So that's what it means there. And part of it's, you know, the jealousy it's it's just lost in translation but the that was the best word he had at the time that was in the hebrew language that translates to jealous the last one we're going to deal with today is the you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god okay now yes you should not swear in my opinion, you shouldn't cuss at all. There's no benefit to cussing. But it's not an unforgivable sin to actually let low a cuss word, okay? You're easily forgiven for those things. What the commandment means is this. You shouldn't do evil in God's name. Now, a clear thing for Americans is the what you see in movies and what you see in real life where the Islamic terrorist yells Allah Akbar, you know, God is great. And then blows up a school bus full of kids or flies planes into the world trade center. Okay. 
that's doing, that's the easiest example of doing evil in God's name. But I go back to the false teachers. They're doing it sometimes, the bad ones. I'm not saying just hey, all humans, including me, are flawed. Therefore, something we teach is going to be wrong. If you intended it to be wrong, to manipulate people, that's a big problem. If you make a mistake or you misinterpret a minor point of, or even a major point of, of theology, that's an issue, but it's not, a, you know, it's not you meant to deceive people. You know we have these people who've said the world's going to come to end on so-and-so day at so-and-so time. They sell off all their possessions and get ready to for the rapture, and it doesn't happen. And some of them, oh, I got a calculation wrong, and they come up with another date. But Some of them really meant it. They're, they're not listening to the critique. God said we'll never know the the hour and the, the day and the minute. We'll know the season, and we're getting close to that end of the, the world, I'm pretty sure, but it's still, I think, several decades away probably. But it's not several centuries away. I'd be shocked. But it could be. Who knows? I mean, only God knows. But the point being is what you do in God's name. If you're misleading people as a pastor or as a a church leader or as a politician for your own gain and you're doing it from the righteous standpoint, which leaves the Democratic Party out and generally on the Republican side probably, it's still a bad thing. The other thing it says there is, is the full commandment you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain for the lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain it's the only commandment that talks about being punished doing something in god's name that you know is evil and on to generally other people that's very serious stuff. So, is it unforgivable before you are saved? Don't know. Don't think so. But that's doing something bad in God's name is the ultimate because it oh, it affects things. When a, when a husband cheats on his wife, it affects everybody in the family. When, and vice versa, wife cheats on the husband, affects everybody in the family, okay? The kids, probably the most. When a pastor misleads a congregation, now you're talking about lots of families. So it's a serious, it's the, it's the serious thing. If you're not a serious Christian, the one thing you probably shouldn't do is try to fake being a Christian, and lead people away to you know their to follow their your mixed up things. But the serious contempt God has for and I worry about it with these, with these podcasts. I believe because I'm talking about 
what I believe God says and does and means. So I take it very seriously. I sure don't want to mislead anybody. And when I don't know, I'll tell you what I don't know. But I'm pretty sure about these things. So this is in a part one. There'll be at least two more parts, maybe three. And hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Vorthos Podcast. Visit Vorthos.net for more information. That's Vorthos, V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net. You may follow at Vorthos on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on the Vorthos Podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Vorthos Podcast. Any content provided by Matt or our guest are their opinion and not intended to malign or insult anyone or anything. Matt W. Ruff can be reached at mattwruff at porthos.net. That's M-A-T-T-W-R-U-F-F at V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net. 